Awesome. There is definitely a celebration of life atmosphere here. Uh, the testimony is outstanding to see how God heals immediately. God heals over time. But the fact is, God is a God of life. And we sit here as a testimony expecting God in every single way uh, to walk with us, to guide us, to lead us, uh, and to ensure that what Jesus said, that Jesus has come to give us life and to give, us more abundant, give it to us more abundantly. So abundant life is a promise that Christ has made to us. So where there is worship, where we get together like this, as we look at the gospel, we can be sure that God is going to heal. God is going to deliver. God is going to impact your life in a big way. God a Republican or a Democrat? <laughs> the way some of the stuff out of churches has come, you would believe he's a, Dem uh, he's a Republican. Uh, we must pray for America. Uh, there's, our country has got a past of church and state being one together. And that's, that's not God's kingdom. Uh, you, you can't have the government owning the church or church opinion or kingdom. The church is owned by Jesus Christ. And we've got to trust God that in that country, which has a powerful uh, church, there's an evangelical church in that country that is strong, that it would be freed from political thinking, that pulpits would be free of political statements, and that we'd hear a very pure, very pure kingdom statement come out of there. Uh, important. So please don't forget to pray. We're going to um, pick up a couple of uh, standalone sermons. We, we tend to like to preach expository sermons out of books of the Bible, passages of Scripture, or pick up a theme and then work it like we have done this year. We did the book of Joel, uh, and thank God for that because it set us up for the whole lockdown and put things in perspective. We looked at uh, the gospel of the kingdom, but now we're just having a bit of a pause across the sites. They're giving opportunity to some of the others who they've been training for preaching to preach, and they're also handling site-specific. And so this morning, we're going to look at Luke 5 verse 5 in the NIV says this, because you say so, because you say so. This statement came from a meeting a couple of us had with Tyron, and kind of as we praying together and trusting God for the future, very definitely, reset moment, very definitely, God speaking. And because you say so, it means something to us. And so let's read the context and then let's understand the challenge. Luke 5 verse 1, on one occasion while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret and he saw two boats by the lake but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. These fishermen, of course, are uh, Peter and Andrew, James and John. So this took place after Jesus had already kind of said, you know, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So he's teaching again. And it says over there, uh, they were pressing in on him to hear the word. What was the word of God? the gospel of the kingdom. We have to get that into our understanding. The word wasn't a list of 10 things to do, you know, better way to make tea or a nice healthy way of living. It was a life-changing message and it needed to get out. And this is what they did. I love the improvising. 
getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he starts to teach from there. So obviously, he can address the whole crowd, but apparently water helps the sound to go further as well. Isn't that ingenious? They invented their own PA system right there. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. You are a carpenter. This is all in brackets. It's not in the original, but you can just kind of work it out a bit. You're a carpenter. How can you tell fishermen what to do? And you know, often that's how our Christianity works out. These matters are practical, and how can you, Jesus, tell us what to do? Or I've made my mind up about something. I'm an expert. How can you tell me how to love my wife? How can you tell me how to make decisions? Isn't Christianity about Sunday morning? Isn't Christianity about, you know, just that? No, Christianity is about every aspect of life. And thank goodness this next statement is in the Bible. But at your word, and in the NIV, because you say so, I will let down the nets. And you see, there's this invite into the supernatural. There's this invite to see the miraculous power of God. God wants to intervene in our lives. And a lot of times it doesn't make sense in the natural. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. And when Simon saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Isn't that the usual kind of response of people to when there's a manifestation of God's power? I think of Isaiah in worship. And there's this vision of heaven and he sees these angels and the altar of God. And straight away he says, I'm a man of unclean lips. Uh, straight away we become aware of our humanness. And, and it's amazing. We'll think of all those ways in which we've disappointed God and how we've been disobedient and the ways in which uh, our, our kind of humanness will remind us of our sinfulness. When the glory of God appears, that's what happens. We need more exposure to the glory of God. Because in that moment, the business we do with God is life-changing. One second in God's presence like that is what we need. That's why we go to prayer. That's why we have devotional times. That's why we read the Word of God. That's why we pray, come Holy Spirit and show us what the Word means. That's why we invite God into our situation. Because we want to be transformed by Him in a big way. Uh, and then it says in verse 9, For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they'd taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, he, He's not going to let an opportunity go by. Isn't that awesome? Do not be afraid. There's the ministry into the situation. That's the love of God. That's the grace of God. That's Craig and Taryn, God saying, don't be afraid. You're going to climb on an airplane and here's this nation in turmoil. And it is. It's divided over who knows what. But don't be afraid. From now on you'll be catching men. 
Isn't that a challenge? It's like he's already said it to them. And you know what? He's going to say it to them again. Again, there's a fishing allegory that comes later on uh, when they take up this great catch. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Uh, (laughs) Men and their fishing stories. Just think about that. Just, there's always, who's a fisherman here? A couple of you. Yeah, I know. It was, you're not too sure. It started out that big. Eventually, when you told your wife it was that big, and when you got to the office and told your friends, it took five of you to actually carry this thing to land. We never forget a good fishing story. And with Peter, he needed to remember because he was going to stand up in front of crowds and preach the gospel. He was going to lay his life on the line. And he remembered that fishing story is the allegory of life that he wants us to live out. That fishing story was going to define his life. And the fact that he was now going to be able to always think back to that net bursting and calling friends to help, that's the picture of the kingdom that God wants us to to, to long for. It's like, there's another unholy thing. It's called golf. You always remember that one good shot. And then you go and spend thousands of rand to buy all the equipment, hoping that you're going to hit that good shot again. And that gets you back there. I know some of you tell me you do that good shot every single time you hit that ball. But it's the same as the fishing thing. You go back because you're hoping for that big catch. And so built into Peter's psyche, built into Andrew, built into John, built into James, and should be built into every one of us, as God has called us to be fishers of men, called us to have these encounters with him. He wants to mix it. He wants to talk. He wants to counsel us. He wants to help us understand. He wants to reveal his glory so that we can get to the place of being fishers of men. And we'll always remember Peter always remembered that moment, that wonderful moment when it it must have become fable. How many boats? There were two of you. You had to have two boats to bring in this hall. Unheard of. Unheard of nets like that. This was a lake. This wasn't the sea. You know, and so this thing defined Peter. And so the season we're in really is the statement, because you say so. Because you say so. And, and it kind of, because you say so, needs to kind of ripple up our list of priorities. Our comfort, um, our pers- pursuit of whatever we want to the place where whatever your will is, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. Not my thing, not my pursuit, not my desires and my wants, but yours be done. And it's all the encounters that we go through are going to point to that. And the context is... The context in all of this, because you say so, the context is catching men. It's about seeing those who are lost come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Yesterday in Yeovil, I saw on Friday they took a whole bucky load of tables, white tablecloths, plates, knives and forks, glasses, and they set it up and invited the guys on the street who haven't got jobs, who are battling and finding it difficult And they gave them a spread of note. Because we love you and we want to see you come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. 
And so we are to also have that attitude, understanding, because you say so, it's not kind of, um, you know, some kind of selfish pursuit. No, it's about seeing lost people saved. Wherever God's miracle work, working powers in, encountered, like with Peter, we become aware of our sinfulness. It's amazing that, isn't it? You, you kind of, are, you experience God in a great way. There's this holy moment of awe, and then we come to terms with, I need his strength. I need his power. We need to get to that place where we are stripped of all of our arrogance. We're stripped of all of our excuses. We're stripped of everything. That was a moment. You know, it was irrefutable what had taken place. This was not a natural phenomenon. You don't just throw your net in when you fished all night, and now it's daytime and fish. I don't know what they do in the daytime, but you don't fish in the day there apparently. But it happened, and they fell to their knees. We need to be more at that place. There's that great song that says the highest place is at the feet of Jesus. To realize his lordship and his magnificence and his majesty. You see, I don't know how I move from a place of selfishness to selflessness and give my life uh, to fishing for men and, and being aware of that. But you know what? God will help me get there if I only willingly will bow my knee if I'll worship, if I'll, if I'll submit to him and, and admit that actually, you know what? There are things that need to change. And you know, notice the grace of God. Now, this is what one of the commentaries says. A sense of God's presence creates fear and consciousness of our wickedness. It makes things come back to our minds that we thought we had forgotten. So great can be the sense of our own sinfulness that our first reaction is to feel that it's quite impossible that we could ever be used of God. Surely we feel God must punish us, but Jesus' attitude towards those who deal with their inadequacies properly through the cross, do not be afraid. From now on you'll be catching men. Do not be afraid as the act of God's grace. You got to this place and you understand things in order now. You see, that moment establishes the fact that he is Lord, and I'm here to serve the purposes of God. We need those adjustments in our hearts, because oftentimes, you know, we've just got the priorities wrong. But that moment, fear not, Peter, fear not. He's established the fact that Christ is on the throne, and of course, the restoration and the kind of a result of all of this, you're going to become a fisher of men. The very center and heart of God's purpose is to fish for people. I just want to fast forward to this because you say so. Just go there in the notes, Kyle. You see, so I want to ask, what is God saying to you? Is there a dialogue between you and God? Are you talking to him about some of these things? I think it is important. I think it is because, you know, if we were to listen we'd understand that what he's saying to us lines up with the rest of his word. The rest, we, we'll discover his love for people and his love to want to use us. His desire, as he saw them, Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, was to use them. As he looks at us, his desire is that there's some kind of God purpose, some kind of usefulness. It's not just safe to sit. It's safe to serve. It's safe to make a difference in other people's lives. And so in this kind of journey with the Father, what is he saying to us? 
What is he saying? And he's not saying what we want him to say, you know, and, and that is like everything's cool, just chill, hang out over there. It's fine, you know, just relax, enjoy. I'm coming back soon. Yeah, he is coming back. But what is he saying to us? As we go into prayer, as we read the Bible, what is he saying in regard to, I'll make you fishers of men? What is his challenge to me? What do I need to deal with? Do I suffer from an inability to hear God? And so perhaps that's the issue. You know, perhaps if we, you know, take that lesson out of because you say so this season, is maybe we aren't hearing God. Maybe we've sat here and we've heard sermons, we've gone through um, so much of this challenge that we're not quite understanding it. No, we need to hear him for ourselves because he is going to speak to us with this. We need, and if it's not impacting our hearts, open our ears, Lord. Open our ears. You know, Revelation 2 and 3, the Spirit is speaking and we are to have ears. Remember the thing your mom always would say to you? Where are your ears? Didn't you think about your mom? She's blind. They're right here. This side of my face, that side of my face, they are my ears. But she wasn't saying, where are your ears? She was asking you to, to listen. <laughs> and so we have the ability. God has given it to us. So let us hear him. Because there's a wonderful journey. Andrew's journey wasn't the same as Peter's, wasn't the same as James and John and Matthew and all the rest that we encounter and Paul. There's this journey. The net result, fishers are men. And the journey is going to take us into wonderful revelations of who Christ is. It's a personal relationship that will reveal our total necessity to rely on Him. And then, when he does speak, do you have an unwillingness to do what he says? That's a big one. And you know, often you hear and you think, well, that's it. I'm not going to hear anymore. I don't want to hear anything more. <laughs> you know, because now he's challenged me. No, no, rather not speak. Have you been in that place? I've been in that place. You know, now I've heard. Now I'm going to have to do something about it. And for me, it's in both those areas, in dealing with the sinful issues... And in realize we've been called to be fishers of men. And you see, God is interested in all of that. He's interested in us. He loves us. This gospel is going to work in our lives to set us free. And like with Peter, we need those revelations of the glory of God. You know where that comes from? Not doing my own thing. It's looking for opportunities to be in his presence. To devote myself to his word. To wait on him to be full of intent and purpose and saying, speak to my heart, God. I want to hear you. I want to experience you. I want to see Jesus. We sing it. Uh, you know, we, we think about it, but let's do it. Let's expose ourselves. Let's open ourselves up. And whatever adjustments need to be made, I want to make those, Lord. And then will come that wonderful commissioning. Isaiah sees this revelation of heaven. He understands his sinfulness. And the angel takes a coal and deals with him. Same with Jesus here with Peter at his feet. Fear not, Peter. In other words, I'm going to help you now deal with those issues. And Peter had many. Peter had to be readjusted on almost every story of the Bible. You know, they up on the mountain and they, 
there's this revelation and the glory of God has come down. And Peter says, hey, you know what we should do here, Jesus? Let's build a tent for you and a tent for Isaiah and a tent for Moses. You know, he always spoke from a humanistic point of view. No, don't worry about suffering on the cross. We'll sort that out. You know, Jesus, uh, Peter always had a plan. So there was a, a, a process of helping him mature and get ready. But eventually that commissioning came. Like with Isaiah, who will go for us? And he says, Jeremiah, Lord, send me. And it's the same as we deal with our hearts. Some of those personal kind of connections with God and voices in our heart, he's going to start to show us people. He's going to start to show us situations. Like with Craig and Taryn, he's showing them a city. And your heart begins to break and you cry and you realize he's putting that love in me for those so Peter, one day confronted by this sea full of people, realized the necessity of seeing them born again. This is what one of the commentators says. The world is the sea. The fish that need to be caught are the unsaved. The gospel is the net. And the Christ followers are the fishermen. Let's stand to our feet, please. Please stand with me. Here my Lord, send me. And through that invite, we're saying, help me deal with the inadequacies of my heart, Lord. I want to deal with them. Forgive me of selfishness. Forgive me of unbelief. Forgive me of unfaithfulness. Forgive me of lost opportunities. All of those. And when that happens, he forgives and it's separated. Now, Father, help me understand the importance of fishing. Fishing is your agenda. Fishing is your will and purpose for my life. Fishing is the expectation. As you look at Marcus, you look at fishing. As you look at Josh and Angelo, as you look at us, Lord, and Adele and Taryn, whoever it is, fishing is your desire. Prepare us and help us so that we can be fishers of men and women. And I pray over the next while, Father, as we devote ourselves in prayer, read your word, come by the power of your spirit and show us your glory, Lord. We're not vacuum cleaner salesmen trying to sell a better vacuum to the world. America's burning. They need the gospel. South Africa is in turmoil. We need the gospel. And so we can pick on any country or people group. Our neighbor, the block down the road, the, the people at the office and in the lecture hall where I go to college or varsity, people that need you. And there we have this net, the love of God, and we're able to reach out with it. And so in our day-to-day and busyness, let us not forget the call, Lord. And I trust that we'd begin to get testimony of those nets swollen and full because of what you're doing. And so we trust you for the way forward. In the name of Jesus, we pray, Lord. Amen. Great guys, have a great day today.